When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Charles Leclerc ended his barren streak, but it wasn't without a late scare. He managed to get over that to hold off Max Verstappen uh, in a thrilling Austrian Grand Prix that provided plenty of overtakes and plenty of cheering as well. Depending on what team you are following, I don't think the Dutch fans will be too happy today, but still a result for Verstappen uh, that was better than it was looking at because Leclerc, who hadn't been on the podium since Miami, was able to get past Verstappen for genuine overtakes three times on the track, but was a late scare with that throttle pedal. Uh, But he managed to hold off Max Verstappen. And it probably would have been a Ferrari 1-2, but Carlos Sainz had a really scary-looking fire, and we'll get into that, which denied him more Ferrari reliability problems. So Lewis Hamilton coming home in third place, followed by teammate George Russell. I'm joined on the podcast today by our Grand Prix editor, Alex Kalanokis, Jess McFadden. Uh, we missed you guys last week after Silverstone. Not that we don't love Hayden and Kev. And I'm joined by Megan White, who is at, or has, is home from, say home, back at the uh, the accommodation, uh, from the track today. So Megan, we'll come to you first. You've been there. Uh, your first time 
to the Red Bull Ring. So let's uh, talk about how you, uh, what you made of it. Yeah, it was uh, it was incredible. Um, I mean, you know, it's only my third Grand Prix weekend. Uh, my first was Barcelona earlier this season, um, and then I was at Silverstone last weekend. Um, and I've got to say, the Red Bull Ring was my favourite that I've been to so far. Um, it's an incredible circuit. Um, it's nestled in the mountains. Beautiful scenery. Um, and just a really well-organised event. You know, none of the problems that we had in Barcelona surfaced. There were no, you know, not queues and queues of people trying to get in. Sufficient food, which is always nice. Um, always good. So, yeah, it was, it was an absolutely fantastic experience um, from that perspective. Um, you know, brilliant, brilliant circuit. Couldn't recommend the circuit enough. Um, the only problem I would say was the, was the fans. And that's a really sad thing to have to say after a Grand Prix weekend, you know. Everyone's gone to have a great time. Everyone's gone to enjoy themselves. But the, from my experience, being out among the fans and wandering around, um, I didn't like the atmosphere, really. I thought it was quite a... It was a highly charged atmosphere, which can be a good thing, but this one wasn't. Um, OK. Is it I fans got... of a certain driver? Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't I don't mean to, to be negative, but... The vast majority of fans there were Max Verstappen fans, so it does skew the, the percentage of each driver's fans that were behaving badly. But the vast majority of fans were there for one driver, and they were not behaving well. Um, yeah. You know, we we saw I saw groups of fans from other, who supported other drivers who generally seemed to be behaving quite well. But um, you know, a good example is one night we were leaving the circuit, and there was a, a Verstappen fan uh, publicly urinating. And a group of Mercedes staff members walked past in their team gear and he shout, was jeering and shouting at them. And that was after qualifying. The whole atmosphere, that all that kind of behaviour was really symptomatic of the way that I felt like people were behaving. There was a lot of excessive alcohol consumption. There was a lot of what I would say like a lager lout. You know, I'm not opposed to people going and having a good time at a circuit. But I do think that especially given what we've heard from other fans who've been there this weekend, there is definitely a limit, and it was way surpassed by the behaviour of the people who were there this weekend. Well, look, we're um, get, let's get into it straight away. Because we're going to talk about, we've got an hour to do this, and we're going to talk about, plenty about the result, and it's a fantastic result for Charles Leclerc, not necessarily for Ferrari because of reliability woes. But this has been a horrible topic to get into, but let's just get into it and cover it off. Jess, I mean, can you talk us through how you sum up some of the new stories that we've heard coming out of of Austria. Yeah, I mean, again, probably important to note that I don't think it is just a problem with Austria. We we've we've since had you know, multiple stories come out from Silverstone last week as well. I've had a lot of people DM me because I've been quite vocal about this topic on my own social channels. Um, and I've had a lot of people reach out to me and kind of tell me things that have happened both this weekend and last weekend. And as you say, like it's a very, it, last year, last season was extremely charged. And I think that we're still kind of feeling the rumblings of that in terms of the, the dynamic between, um, you know, British fans, Dutch fans, Lewis Hamilton supporters, Max Verstappen supporters. First off, I think we're very brave to take to Twitter and share their stories and say, this is happening. This just happened to me or happened to a friend or I witnessed this. Um, and I think it was just the volume of, of people that were coming out and kind of, as, as to, to Megan's point, it seemed to be that this this track in particular has a has a reputation. I actually had a lot of people reach out to me and say that it was the same even back in 1985. Uh, a fan said that they witnessed a lot of, you know, louty behaviour. My only real experience of uh, heavily, we don't want to make this about ge- gross generalising groups of people. So f- I'm definitely not go- wanting to start this out as like it being 
Dutch fans. I don't think that's fair. I think for, for all of this, it is a minority of people that are ruining it for the majority, um, as often is the is the case. But um, my first Grand Prix was Spa 2014, uh, going as a fan. Um, I, well, I'd been to Silverstone for a, f- a couple of odd, but never race day. And it was my full my first full weekend. And I found that the, the Dutch know how to party, right? They, lo- they, they are there for a good time. You know, and when I was there, they had full HGV vehicles with DJ booths and double beds in it and they were going until five o'clock in the morning and there were you know fireworks being set off at five o'clock in the morning um and I was I will say as a you know fairly young fan at the time it was quite intimidating but luckily I never received any kind of bad behavior towards me but I think the number of people that have said that bad things have happened to them yeah the amount of stories that are coming out I think is just is just concerning and it's caused a lot of people to look inwardly at what the sport is doing and I think it you know there was enough of a rumbling that F1 felt the need to put out a statement which is good but yet again we're here where actually is what we need just a statement or what are they going to do to back this up because the the fear I have that happens a lot when we come to these areas of um, or talk, start talking about um, problems between fans or harassment or social injustice is that governing bodies or companies can hide behind these statements and go, well, we box ticked that. We addressed it. We said it was abhorrent. We said it, we, it won't stand. But actually, what does that mean? The, the issue that I have is that what we don't want is for F1 to pass the buck to the circuit promoter and the circuit promoter to keep passing the buck back to F1. There needs to be as a collective, as a championship, just as a, you know, the FIA as a, as a governing body needs to come together with everybody involved and go, how do we stop this kind of behaviour happening? Because one of the really upsetting things that I've seen is that people are now talking about not going to races because of this behaviour. Oh, well, that's not, not wanting right. to attend races because they're afraid. And I don't, to be honest, if I read all these stories and I was thinking about going to the Austrian Grand Prix, I'd probably swerve it. Nobody deserves to turn up to a sporting event and fear being harassed. It doesn't matter what form of harassment we're talking about either, whether that's sexist, racist, homophobic, doesn't matter. Everybody has a right to be there as a fan and enjoy their time there. They've paid a lot of money for that ticket and it should be one of the most kind of collective experiences is to go to a sporting event and experience it among other fans. Like all of my memories of going to F1 Grand Prix are that it's a massive and welcoming community. And I think there needs to be real action taken. Um, And there are things that I think F1 can do, but it's also, I think what this points to is that us as a collective also have, and I'm not just talking about as as a collective, as a media outlet and talking about it like we are on this podcast, but just as human beings that, we can all take action to try and alleviate these situations because they're a bunch of loud, obnoxious, ignorant people that are trying to ruin it for the majority. And But we are a majority. So if we turn around and say that behaviour doesn't have a place in Formula One, um, 
if, if we're talking about the microcosm of Formula One, then then people need to feel empowered to do that. And they but they also need to know that the 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 people like F1 or, or the circuit promoters will also offer them outlets or resources in order to give people a safe and very clear way of, of knowing that that behaviour will get um, looked into if they're going to make the brave point of, of trying to step in or help that person that's being harassed. So there's a lot that I think that F1, the FIA, the circuit promoter need to move away from this weekend now and 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 have a look at what's going on because again it's not just uh the, the examples are around sexual harassment but there's also words of homophobia and, and and racism as a collective like discrimination doesn't belong in f1 if they really do mean we race as one then they need to show that they are committed to that and i gotta say jess as well for you putting yourself out there and saying that as well it's it, it is brave because we get the criticism that oh you're pro hamilton you're anti-max and raising that i have no doubt some fans won't understand what you've just said, but I thought it was an amazing, brave point you made there, Jess. Alex, what are your thoughts? First of all, I'd like to echo what Megan said about the Red Bull Ring itself. It's um, it's genuinely the um, it's the, the nicest track I've ever been to in terms of location. It's absolutely stunning. Certainly, uh, there's lots to get into um, here, and, and none of it, not a lot of it, good really. Let's let's face it. I mean, you know, there was the whole like. Um, uh, the drivers being booed that happened at Silverstone as well. The Mercedes cars being sort of cheered as they crashed. And I think like there's a few there's a few things there. Like to a certain degree, this is entertainment. Like you kind of if you, if you're going to have that sort of factor, you've got to expect that fans are going to have a reaction. And also if your fans sort of cheering, a, a, you know, a rival car crashing, you know, I, I take the point. Of course, it's it, you know it, it, they can be shocking accidents uh, and serious injury risk. But I think that someone sort of jeering that a bit of Schadenfreude and then immediately going, "Oh, actually, ooh, a bit worried about that driver." You know, these people, these people aren't evil in that moment. But that's 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 to one side because the issues that have been you know outlined about what some of the fans were doing at the Red Bull Ring is just appalling and abhorrent. And, and I think Jess and Megan have spoken spoken very well on this. And and and, and Jess is right. F one needs to to make some real action. It, it, it does a lot of this, a lot of these statements, you know, lessons are going to be learned. We're going to talk with the promoter, things like that. Well, well, I got an email from the Red Bull Ring and their sort of media communications team putting out a, a press release about what a successful event it was. Not a single mention of these problems, not a single, we're aware of these issues. And I was so annoyed about it. I replied back immediately. So it's, it's my day off. Um, as you guys will know, I've been uh, uh, suffering from the delights of COVID since the British Grand Prix. Um, but I, I responded and I was just like, I'm surprised to see this. Can you please clarify all these points and give me an official comment? Because I think that's just outrageous. Like, it's a really serious issue. And I'm shocked that in your press release, where if F1's going to try and get away with box sticking or, you know, things like that, just with its statement, not not, that it, that it, not saying that it will do that, but, you know, it has just put a release statements in the past, right? For the circuit itself to not even bother doing that is, is pretty shocking. Uh, Max Verstappen has condemned the harassment reported by spectators in strongest terms. Mercedes boss Toto Wolff told abusive fans to stay at home. Lewis Hamilton calling any abuse from fans disgusting. And yes, in football, they can identify those people. I, you know, it's a smaller physical ground but cctv will identify people and give them a ban sometimes a lifetime ban from football now there'll be listeners of this podcast of a certain age uh maybe i am a of a certain age who don't remember how 30 years ago at some grounds you would not take your kids to football like you would not uh, some people wouldn't even go to a football game right because it was an excuse for 
rival gangs or groups of fans to get drunk and have a fight. Oh, and there's also a game on. And football has completely cleaned itself up and still has lots of work to go in homophobia and racism. But don't get me wrong, football's come a really long way. And I'm heartbroken that a sport we all love and everyone listening to this podcast absolutely adores is facing these issues. Uh, I'll give the final word to Megan because, you know, you were there and then we'll and then we'll move on and our listeners can contact us. I'll give you the email address in a minute. Megan. Uh, yeah, thanks, Martin. I just kind of wanted to clarify what I said before uh, and echo what Jess said. I'm not saying that this was Dutch fans. I'm saying that it was a small minority of fans wearing Max Verstappen T-shirts. So I just don't want to make it sound like I'm having a go at all Dutch fans or having a go at all Max Verstappen fans or kind of making blanket assumptions about people's behaviour based on what driver they support, because, you know, I think that that's a really bad thing to do. I'm only speaking from what I saw today. Um, I didn't see any physical fighting, as you, you know, as you mentioned, that used to be a really big problem in football. I didn't see, you know, physical violence, but I have read so many stories about, you know, so many things that have happened to women over this weekend, and it really upsets me, you know, thinking that we're in a, meant to be in a sport that's really moving forward into the modern era, diversifying the fan base. I think it's it's a real shame to have to have these conversations still, um, and also to hear people talking about it, saying, "Well, I haven't heard it, so it can't have happened." You know, um, I think it's a real shame that. You know, in 2022, we're, we're still sat here talking about women being sexually harassed when they've tried to go and watch an, a, a Grand Prix. Um, and also, just to add as well, um, it's, it's not the only recent motorsport event that I've heard reports of it from. Um, there was a MotoGP race recently um, in Assen uh, where a lot of people on social media had the same thing to say. So it's, it's unfortunate... Um, that these things are happening still. I know that people had problems at Silverstone too, so I think it's a much bigger issue than just this race or, you know, just one group of fans. And I think that, like Lewis Hamilton said, there needs to be action on this, not just words. A number of the fans who were subjected to the abuse have been identified and found by Formula One to tell them about what happened and to to discuss the matter. Some were even brought into the paddock. This is how bad it was. Uh, Mercedes uh, was contacted by a woman who had her dress lifted up by a group of fans who oppose Lewis Hamilton. Mercedes personnel managed to track her down and and, and bring her into the paddock. Um, I'm sure they'll want to talk to her. And just safeguarding issues as well for women going to sporting events just absolutely breaks my heart. Look, I know I said it was the last word, but Alex, you do have to, like, you you know, you go to every other race along with your colleague, you know, Matt Q. So you are going to be back in the paddock very soon. You ask the questions of the teams, the drivers and Formula One management that this issue doesn't just get brushed aside. Are you going to be asking more questions and forcing answers? Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, it's right about all the, all the questions that have come up this year. I mean, you remember the missile attack in Jeddah? <laughs> that was in 2022 as well. Probably. Holy moly. Um, but, you know, these, the, it is right to continually ask these questions. But my point on my last point, well, the point I sort of wanted to raise on this was, um, you know, just bearing in mind um, what the state of Formula One is right now. It's never been more popular it's enjoying a massive popularity boom. And speaking to some of the promoters, like particularly at Silverstone, my understanding is that from their ticket sales, they can see that from this year in particular and last year as well, to a certain extent, the fans are are younger and there are more women going. So it's, it's vitally important, full stop, in regards to any point, that 
F1 and the promoters take action to stamp out this appalling behaviour. But also, when we're when when it's finally making some progress on its diversity problem, don't let that be spoiled. Just 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 really really do something. I have a four year old, and I haven't taken him to a motor race yet, but I want to. And I don't want to be put off taking my son to his first motor race because we don't get on top of fan problems. I don't want to even be an intimidating atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? Now, like, we've gone around the houses, and I feel like I should say, Jess, I'll come back to you. You can either have a final word or you can just say, move on, Martin, and we'll, and we'll get on to the race. I- I'll leave it up to you. Well, I would, lo- I would love to talk about racing because at the end of the day, that's what most of these fans are interested in and that's what most of the fans are there to enjoy it's what connects us it's what joins us we have this collective love of racing and i really hope that what doesn't happen is that a minority of fans ruin it mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. For the majority. So let's talk about racing. Thank you. Right. You can email us podcast at autosport.com with comments, thoughts, what you think. That's podcast at autosport.com. Uh, and if, if you say, don't read this out on the air, then we won't. Um, if I get a ton of emails, we can do a whole podcast uh, talking about listener feedback. But let's move on and let's talk about racing. And we'll talk about Charlotte Club in his Ferrari winning today. And he looked like at every point of the race, apart from after the start where Max Verstappen uh, got away uh, from pole position. Do we call it pole? I I don't, I still don't know. Let's say pole. Max Verstappen got off. Okay, thanks, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was waiting for Alex to chip in there. I I can't see you, Alex, but I could feel the energy. (laughs) Well, it's just, there's there's two things there. First of all, he was sat on pole position. And also the FIA finally made the change. And because I heard it brought up on the TV coverage, as you say, I've been at home this weekend watching it from, from base. And they're still being like, oh, well, it's a bit ridiculous that, you know, Friday night doesn't mean... No, no, no. If you top qualifying, you get credited with the pole position stat. Everyone needs to just forget about the, you know, the, the, the this ridiculous... Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going on far too much. It's, it's fine, it's like, fine. It's just, you know, the whole like, oh, the car sat on pole position, must get the pole position stat. Well, no, because, for you know, we've had um, grid penalties for enough years now, engine changes, things like that, that meant the pole stat has been artificially affected anyway. So, yeah, if you top qualifying on Friday... You get pole. And for a bonus, Max was sat on pole anyway. <laughs> OK, he led away from pole uh, and he led away from Charles Leclerc. And uh, apart from those early exchanges, he he couldn't scamper away like he did in the sprint. So after the first kind of few laps, order for Stappen, Leclerc, Sainz, Russell was running fourth early on, um, Ocon, Magnussen, Hamilton, Schumacher, Ricardo, Norris, right? So I think it was a couple of laps in. That was the uh, the running order. By lap seven, Leclerc started setting fastest laps. And from that point on, uh, when he overtook Max Verstappen for the first time, I don't think he ever looked like Ferrari didn't have the pace for today. So, Alex, I'll come to you because Verstappen, unbeatable in the sprint, today looked like he had nothing to defend on the Ferraris. How is that the case? And from day to day, those two cars look like 
entirely different. What What are your thoughts on the performance difference? Right. Well, first of all, I just I just want to give the listeners a little bit of insight that I was so energised by the fact that uh, bear in mind <laughs> I have been off with COVID, uh, and today's sort of technically my day off anyway. I do come in and do the podcast because obviously we enjoy doing it. Um, but with with, with I was so energised by the fact that it was a good race. I actually took notes like I was at the track. I've got the lap I number, mean, I've got, got things that happen, the gaps, everything. Yeah, it was almost like I was in the Austri- in the Red Bull Ring Media Centre as, as as maybe I will be next year. But anyway, yeah, few, few interesting things about this. First of all, the sprint race, right? It only looks like Verstappen saunters to victory because Ferrari once again got itself into uh, a, an intra-team spat that it didn't need to, right? Leclerc has a look at Verstappen at, the, at turn one, gets a bit out of shape, science is all over him. They then have a battle. By that point, Verstappen's gone. But what was interesting was that despite the fact that there was no focus on the top three, understandably, because nothing was happening, the gap between Leclerc and Verstappen was coming down all the way through the end of that sprint race. Now, you can say, mm, OK, Verstappen probably wasn't trying too hard. Was Leclerc trying too hard? You know, there's no, there's not massive uh, full tank of fuel in it, things like that. There's obvious factors. But the suggestion was that Ferrari felt it had the upper hand on uh, tyre degradation. And by that point, of course, with the part Fermi rules, there's nothing Red Bull can do about it. Now, then it rained overnight. It was, uh, you know, so that would have washed the uh, rubber away from the track. It was cooler, I think, at the track today. So that Red Bull was saying that's what caught it out in the race today because it was the tyre degradation. Ferrari was on top of it. Red Bull wasn't. Ferrari says, Ferrari doesn't really mention that, but what its point was is that it was able to put pressure on Verstappen early. So once again, this is just, it's a glaring need for Ferrari to impose team orders. Like, science, when we're going to come talk to him later about what happens, is now massively further behind Leclerc in the championship again. If they hadn't had a spat in the sprint race, there's every chance the clerk could have fought for victory on Saturday as well. But anyway, Ferrari says, put pressure on Verstappen, made him wear his tyres. But just generally, on ev- on both compounds, Ferrari had the edge. And Red Bull just sort of ha- put his hands up and said, look, Christian Horner says, you know, it's, they're very sensitive, these tyres. We just, we're just out the window. And Red Bull does have has form for doing this. I always think back to the 2020 Turkish Grand Prix. It was sort of off form behind Mercedes all weekend when the, it had the fastest package of 2021. But even in the, the wet weather, Valtteri Bottas disappeared, left Max Verstappen behind because Red Bull wasn't on top of the tyres. And it's done this a few times. You know, Ferrari was utterly dominant in terms of tyre tire degradation, tyre wear at Melbourne. But then it was that softer compound, sort of the medium tyre use. And especially when there's the, the softer compounds, the range of Pirelli brought generally, when that was happening at Imola, in Miami, that was where Red Bull were getting the job done. Ferrari was adamant that it came back, it did a load of work, it was improved in this area. But as we know, we've not been able to see any evidence of that because of everything that's happened mainly to Leclerc's car. Look at the end of Canadian Grand Prix. Yeah, okay, different different strategies playing out there, but science was all over Max Verstappen. And here, Ferrari just did seem to be did seem to be on top of everything. And what's really interesting is that you know, Red Bull pitted Verstappen as soon as Leclerc came by for the first time. But it, it actually wasn't the case that Ferrari were ever looking to do a one-stop. You can hear that from the team radio uh, messages that Leclerc was given. They were just like, right, we're thinking for our final compound, it's going to be plan A. There was lots of confusion about which plans because science was at one point told about plan E for e, Echo. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, this, that could mean, you know, one-stop or it could mean two-stop, but with the medium compound or the soft compound uh, for, 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 for the final tyre to be taken. Ferrari was, was, was pretty clear it was going to cover Verstappen. And then it was only really the real worry about the throttle at the end. And, and, and well, and, and probably some considerable worry about his engine as well, given how, how fire <laughs> yes, and Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, that, 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 uh, that really threatened Leclerc's win. Last week, uh, we missed you guys, uh, like I said, after the, the Silverstone podcast, but you were all 
in transit, so we couldn't get you on, Jess. Uh, you were in a car heading home at some point when we when we recorded, and we talked about Ferrari team. I, I was orders. still at the track. I was still at the track until gone one a.m. Were you? Yeah. Oh my FYI. goodness! <laughs> I mean, at least you missed the traffic right in the end. But yeah. Were, oh yeah, the drive back to London was very smooth. Oh mate, I didn't know that. Um, so, but Jess, we talked about team orders. You know, last week, uh, as you can imagine. Kev didn't hold back on what he thought of the bit wall and strategy uh, if they want to win a drivers' championship and actually uh, a constructors as well. Just what are your thoughts? Should they just get behind Leclerc now that he wins again, but didn't do much damage to Max because Max came home second? What are your thoughts? Yeah, they were almost lucky that it was a sprint weekend because they kind of got to make all of their silly team mistakes in sprint. And then came into today uh, looking like a potential championship winning team. Um, as Alex was alluding to there, like they seem pretty calm and collected today. They weren't really bothered by Red Bull. Um, and obviously, I, I, I'm, this, this is where we kind of come to the Sunday and we're trying to process actually how did the sprint impact the race. And I think one of the things that we did see was that Ferrari immediately could see that the Red Bulls were struggling with tyres um, and had as Alex said again, that had the Ferrari boys not been battling themselves at the beginning of the sprint, they could have potentially taken home more points um, in the sprint as well as looking good today. So I think, you, I know a lot of people, a lot of fans, they just want, they want to see drivers battle. It doesn't matter if they're in the same team or not. They don't want team orders. And I totally understand that to a point, there's a part of me that doesn't either. But I guess we also have to think about Strategically, how do you win a world championship? And I do think that letting your drivers get in their own way when you also have issues such as reliability problems, um, you, you can't afford that. You can't afford to have these complexities where your biggest competitor is your own team and your own teammate. I don't like that's not wise. That's not clever. They don't, they can't afford that right now. So they were almost lucky that they had the sprint happen. They obviously got a ton of data and they could see where the Red Bull weaknesses were. And you, you could see it from even the press conferences that we had and the, the, um, uh, the, the TV pen sessions and the media sessions that they had with the clerk yesterday. You could see after the sprint, he, he seemed Although it was obviously a bit miffed, he he also had this kind of quiet confidence about himself. And again, when he was going to the grid, he kind of, I think he knew that he had Max here. And as long as nothing else happened and as long as, you know, his throttle didn't um, take the take the win away from <laughs> yeah, him, yeah. he was in he was in a pretty cool, calm, collected position to, to win today. So to your to your point do Ferrari need to get I think they do need to get some form of 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 order or some form of agreement from the guys now I mean science with another DNF puts him even further back in the fight for the drivers championship they need him now to be scooping up the points to bring home the the constructors championship so we're at the halfway point now this is where we start getting to to the point where you know it's going to start mattering and we don't have as many races to just throw away and to have these mistakes and to have these reliability issues. Ferrari really need to get behind, I think, um, without demotivating science, I think they need to get into a realistic position that by, say, I don't know if they have to set a target race, but if, if this keeps happening that they can't fight anymore, they have to double down and they have to back the driver that's most likely going to take this to Max Verstappen this season, which is Charles Leclerc. And I understand it from science's point of view, because if you let today play out and 
he hadn't his engine hadn't massively exploded, and we'll get onto that in a minute um, and, and put him out out of it. But his teammates had have had some throttle problems. Uh, it, it comes to the point of well, actually, if Ferrari had said, "Oh, you know, look, Leclerc, he's been leading the whole way. Can you follow him home?" But Max. Whether he would have been closing or not, because he would have been on used tyres and they wouldn't have had that stop because of Science's his, his retirement. So it's difficult to know if that pace would have been there for Max on on his his used tyres. But either way, Science, again, good argument to say, well, oh, hang on, if my teammate's got a throttle problem and I can pass him on track, that's that's two wins in a row. Anyway. Uh, but, that, but that's what they, that's what you mean, right, by they need Science there. Yes. For if, for if, Charles, is, if Charles has a problem or, you know, has an incident with another... You know, th- th- these things happen, but but they're too to not scared get- to call him a number two but, driver, though, aren't yeah, they? They don't, don't want to call him a number two. Don't get in the way. Um, they're both hungry, but just a real. We're at halfway point. Real talk now. Science is not going to win the championship. Like that, I think it would take a lot for him to win the championship. And we know Ferrari aren't stupid. As much as everybody jokes about it on Twitter, as much as everybody loves to take a bit of a poke, you know, I, you know, I said I said that Ferrari's biggest rival this season is Ferrari because they do seem to just be getting in their own way and they've got reliability problems, right? But it, it, let's 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 real talk this out now. That I like it. it Go on. You've, you've got you've you've got to say. I mean, I don't know what the other guys think on the, on the pod too, but they, they should back Leclerc. Like, like it's not going to be fun for the rest of us. We <clears> want to see as many drivers up there. Um, fighting for race wins, etc. But what we don't want is for Max now to run away with the championship. Because I, it's I, a boring I, championship. But I'll just, sorry, Alex, just jump in and say, but Carlos would say to team management, I'm less than 40 points behind. You know, I'm a race win in a race that maybe Charles is a DNF and I'm right back in it, you know? So uh, he, he's not going to take that. He's not a million miles away, but as you say, real talk, he probably is. Anyway, sorry, Alex. Well, yeah, just just on the the, the real talk uh, suggestion there from Jess. Yeah, I, I I fully agree. I think Ferrari should back Leclerc, and it, it's 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 harsh on science. It is. We we know this. We said this really early on in the season about Red Bull backing for Snap and over Perez. It is harsh, and we shouldn't forget that there are human beings behind all this. But it, Leclerc has is, is been absolutely phenomenal this year. I, I genuinely like. I often uh, like to have a chat with Kevin Turner about even at this very early stage of the season. Who are we going to put number one in the top fifty drivers at the end of the year? Because it will be Formula One driver, you know, unless there's a WRC world champion that's particularly phenomenal. In terms of the Formula One drivers, Leclerc is the standout driver. Science has not got near him. Uh, yeah, he beat him in qualifying in Silverstone because Leclerc made a mistake. I think if Leclerc doesn't spin, not only does Verstappen probably end up on pole, Leclerc is in front of Science as well. Other than that. Because Canada doesn't count because Leclerc was so far back with his engine penalties. Leclerc has been ahead and science hasn't adapted quick enough to the Ferrari. He's got there. He's made brilliant breakthroughs. He's driving excellently this year. But Leclerc is on another level. He's, he's, he's even Verstappen, I don't think, can match him in terms of when you consider how good their seasons have been. Because there's been races where Verstappen or qualifying sessions where Verstappen has been beaten by Perez. So... It's Leclerc is just is, is just is settling that part of the debate, and then we're now at the halfway point of the season. Ferrari Ferrari have got to make a call here because Jess is right. It's Leclerc versus Ferrari more than it is Leclerc versus Verstappen because even I was listening to Leclerc's team radio, watching his onboard at the time when that VSC comes out. Ferrari tells him uh, it's, it's safety car window open, VSC closed. Then it tells him Verstappen is going to box. And Leclerc goes, well, well, don't I box as well then? Why was it initially he was told, right, you're not, you're not coming in? Like Ferrari got its strategy calls 
brilliantly today in terms of it had Red Bull beaten without that safety car, which unfortunately, sorry, the VSC, which unfortunately mm. came from its other car. Red Bull is Red Bull is knocked out of the park here. It's a huge, like phenomenal sort of morale blow, a huge thing that Ferrari defeated Red Bull on the track where it's been so good the last couple of years. But why was it that when it came to the, oh, we need to make a decision on the fly here, Ferrari still appeared to be a little bit of a shambles. Now, it wasn't like it was at Silverstone. It was different. Leclerc was, I think he was coming up to turn four rather than, you know, he's coming out of Stowe right next to the pit entry at Silverstone, right? Why was it there was initial com- confusion? Because Ferrari said we knew what Verstappen was going to do. He, 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 he was, he, you know, he was behind by that point. He had older tyres. Of course he was coming in. Why was it that, they were just like, well, hang on, at first we're not coming in either. Of course you come in, it's a free pit stop. You come in, you get it. And even if, say, Verstappen stays out, you're going to get him anyway. You're going to get him either way because your car is just faster. So yeah, it it, it does appear to be. I, this is how I think this season is going to end. I think Verstappen is going to be the world champion and I think Leclerc is going to produce the better season but will have been let down by his team. I'm, I really want to be proved wrong. I want it to go down to the, to the wire and who knows who comes out of it. But that's just where you get the feeling this is headed. Yeah, but Alex, there is, I think both teams have got reasons to be happy and sad today. Like Ferrari lost the science car because of a spectacular engine failure and yet they won the race. And, and Red Bull, Lost Perez because of early contact with Russell. Uh, he did run around at the back and they retired the car eventually. So missing out on constructors' points. But Verstappen coming home second, where he really, that could have been a third or possibly if, I don't know, Russell hadn't got his time penalty and then got, because of that clash, he could have been challenging for podiums. I don't know. But both teams have got reasons to be happy and sad today. How do you think, Alex, that they'll be feeling tonight? Yeah, I think from Red Bull's point of view, it's, well, at least we finished second rather than third because I, I don't think Science had no chance of catching Leclerc up front, but he was obviously going to come past uh, Verstappen very quickly. So that, that's that's a positive for Red Bull. Um but yeah, I think I think generally Red Bull, they should just reflect on the fact that they probably do have the quicker package. If they nail the, the tyres, it's probably a different story. But things are so close between the two, they've got to be perfect. And Red Bull weren't that this weekend. Uh, yeah, then with Ferrari, it's interesting. Mattia Bonotto was sort of saying, look, you know, I, I think it was suggested to him that this is the first time since Melbourne you've completely, you know, come out and been the leading, you know, leading team and you've been well ahead of Red Bull. And he's like, well, I don't agree, actually. In Spain, I think we were ahead. In Monaco, we were ahead. And what, what happened in those two races, Mattia? Well, first of all, the car let Leclerc down in Spain and second of all the team let him down massively with the uh, team orders in Monaco like it's okay sorry to to labour the point but again Leclerc has missed out on so many points through not his fault this year Um, but yeah just interestingly on the the science uh, engine failure I mean it was spectacular it was like an old school engine um, engine um, explosion and you saw bits of the side pods just the side pods rattling bits coming out of them that's how sort of violent it was going on in there and Bonotto suggested that much like Leclerc's uh, engine failure in Baku, which was all related to the sort of, you know, the, the hybrid elements, the powertrain. Or in that case, it was sort of suggested that, that the ones that had failed in Spain and, and had, had carried, or things that had gone wrong in Spain had been carried over, then it all completely went 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 wrong for Leclerc's uh, engine in Baku. Here, it, it does appear again, um, Benato says it's a similar thing. It's similar to what happened in Baku. So therefore, we can suggest that it's the hybrid side that's failed. And he says that it's it's still not fixed, that they're still working on it in Marinello. And that, that is really, yeah, well, Ferrari should definitely be happy. They've definitely got the proof that they can get Red Bull when they get everything right. Maybe they need Red Bull to get something a little bit wrong but the reliability is really, really worrying. And then you've got the throttle thing, which suggests, but I said it was a mechanical problem for Leclerc right. late on in the race. Um, that's worrying that that happened. You know, that something obviously came loose in the car. Maybe his boot was catching on it or something. But anyway, that also though, at the same time, highlights what a good job Leclerc did. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Because his pace was phenomenal. Verstappen was giving it absolutely everything at the end of the race. Leclerc still had enough to hold him off. Was I the only one shouting at the TV when Science was trying to get out of his car? So the Red Bull ring has massive elevation. Has As anyone who has done a track run, probably Alex, I imagine in previous years you may have done. Um, I, I've not done that you one. You've not done a track run? No. no oh, okay. The, the only time I was there uh, was when I was covering Formula 2 and GP3, which GP3 racing there, probably were, uh, in 2017. And um, no, not only was I, I, I don't think I ran any tracks that year, but also... Uh, on the one evening I probably would have been able to, I was required to give our then editor-in-chief a lift back to our accommodation because right. he'd, already finished, he'd already finished his work and the F1 team had it. And you so, love driving, don't you, Alex? Uh, and I managed to pick up two speeding fines oh, well on done. the same camera two different days. Yeah, that, that really don't know how I managed that. Well, yeah, one was a slight <laughs> breach. The other one was, was a, a not-so-slight breach. But anyway, oh, I paid my fines and, uh, and we move on. Massive elevation. So science... Did what he did. He went down an escape road. Brilliant. Done the right thing. Got to the end. But of course, because on a hill, he couldn't get out of the car until the car wouldn't roll backwards, which is fine normally. If your engine massively explodes, and there were flames at this point, you'd jump out straight away. But if you jump out, the car is getting going backwards. I thought the marshals were slow getting to the car, but... I don't mind if, if I'm that was just my perception in the moment. I've not watched it back. It seemed like an age. It seemed like an eternity. It probably wasn't. The first marshal that tried to get a chock underneath the front wheel fumbled it. So science is kind of like half in, half out, getting back in the car to put his foot on the brake. In the meantime, the flames were spreading really quickly, just as it was like last weekend with Joe, which is what you're meant to do. TV coverage cuts away from it because you don't want to see anyone burned alive, right? Or even hurt. And at that point, you just I was just screaming at the TV, no, 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 no. Obviously, he's fine. There's a shot of him running away. But I, I was probably not the only one screaming at the TV, right? It was a horrible, horrible moment. Do not like that. Um, oh, uh, Megan, let's talk about track limits because I can't think the last time there were all these track limits violations in a race. Qualifying, yeah, laps being deleted. Do you know how many different laps or incidents were eventually deleted over the course of the race today? Yeah, so in the in the F1 race today, there were 43 uh, track limits related warnings. Um, wow. And it, it wasn't just in F1 either, you know, F2 and F3 both also had so many warnings. The F2 result was decided partially because of, of track limits. Um, and a lot of drivers have, have been unhappy about it. You know, um, Max Verstappen said that he thinks that the track limits debate this weekend has been a bit of a joke. Um, and and I, I think... It's that lack of consistency. And, you know, as George Russell said, having two race directors means that there is a consistency issue there. So some races you have, you know, very few track limits warnings. And then you've got a race like today where there's 43. Um, And, you know, five second penalties for for Lando Norris, for Pierre Gasly, for Sebastian Vettel. Um, It's it's quite a, you know, quite a lot considering the, the low number we get at other races. So... Um, I think it's. I think the drivers certainly will have a discussion about that, getting that consistency. Um, you know, Max. Max said that he thought it was a joke, um, and 
And uh, yeah, it remains to be seen. You know, that's that's his opinion. But um, but yeah, he said he said he thinks it's just more about the the um, the race directors working with the drivers. Um, so I think. Um, I think that it will, we'll have to see what happens. But, he, you know, he said it's, it sounds very easy to stay within the white lines, but it isn't. So I can't, I can't comment. I haven't driven an F1 car, but uh, <laughs> none, none I'll leave that have. to them. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it will be an ongoing debate, you know, in terms of consistency and in terms of how many of those penalties uh, we see in the future. Jess? Yeah, I think the FIA would come back and say, actually, they are being consistent because what they were trying to say is that the white line is the white line and that's what they've stated from the very beginning of the season. Um, And that's what the drivers called for, ironically, um, earlier. They, they, you know, they've said that, you know, we need, we need the rules to be black and white and now they've become black and white. And I think this is just a track where that gets exasperated to the nth degree um, because of that. um, What is it? It's mainly, is it mainly turn nine? That's the problem. Um, they they seem to go across that line because they're carrying so much speed and they get so much more momentum if they cross the white line. But what the drivers are saying is that, well, actually in that instance, they're carrying they're carrying so much speed. You know, they might have um, that the tires are acting differently depending on what point in the race that they're at. That they can't actually they either can't see the white line or it's you know they 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 can't control the momentum of the car, which the F one car their F one drivers I would argue that they can. Um, but that I guess what they're saying is that in this track in particular, it becomes very difficult where they have the white line has become tricky for them to be able to stay within, um, and they want some flexibility. But then we go back to the problem that we had in previous seasons where the race director's notes change from track to track and in certain tracks they will allow, they'll be monitoring track limits in certain corners and in other corners not. And Or even, you know, last year we even had certain sessions where they would be monitoring track limits and then in the race they weren't. So I think it's a case of they asked for consistency, they gave them consistency. We just have a, you know, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of instances this race in particular that were catching the drivers out and and it was leading to warnings black and white flags and then the penalties um but i guess the thing was that a lot of the drivers that were given penalties in particular seemed to not even realize that they um had crossed the line um so maybe it is something to look at for austria in particular um I mean, there is a deterrent out there. They've got a bit of a sausage curb out there. But and I think there was um, it was Johnny Herbert on the Sky coverage that said it wouldn't even matter if they move the white line further and further away from where it is currently. Drivers would still push as close or beyond the line as possible um, if there's not like a real deterrent to stop them from from doing so. So mm. um, I think it's a it's. <sighs> That, that I don't think there's ever that no one's ever really going to win uh, I think most people are going to say you know we, we probably couldn't have anything like a gravel trap there because I think drivers are carrying far too much speed through that corner it could end up being pretty uh, nasty if you if you had a gravel trap there we'd probably have a lot of incidents grass? and crashes would that, is grass better or not or is it still because it's such high speed um, I mean, potentially that or Astro, but it's a bit slippy again. If you if you're carrying too much speed through that corner and you hit something slippy and you end up sliding and smashing into the wall, like I don't mm. know, it's 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 something that they can probably definitely look at for for next year. But it, again, it takes these almost like farcical situations for them to then go away and go, well, was that the best use of a the stewards' time? B 
um, you know, were there, I, mean, I guess Max's argument as well was, do we actually gain any time by crossing the line there? Um, but again, then you get, as we love in, in Formula One and the rule books that the FIA throws at us, um, the grey areas start to become... Fifty Shades of Grey, um, and uh, and then like it's, it's it's really complicated. And no one really knows what's going on. So um, I don't know if we've got a solution, but it's probably worth the FIA taking a look at, just because there were just so many this um, today. It's such a Formula One problem that it's created for itself, and it's just it's just peak Formula One. Alex, what's your take? Yeah, I think. Um particularly apt when it comes to Fifty Shades of Grey that we've got to talk about things like being strict and disciplined. But I, mean, I wouldn't know. I've never, 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 actually, never actually read I the love books. that. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm sure you've not, Alex. You've <laughs> no, no, got no, no idea no. what I'm or talking about. Or seen the films, actually. Of course not. No, apparently they're dreadful. Uh, both uh, both, uh, oh, both, really? uh, both, both I, forms I of the know. media. But anyway. Um, yeah, on this, I think, Jess, <laughs> there's one point you made in there and, and I have to say, a bit like uh, all the drivers regularly in press conferences, I've, I've just got to say, oh, well, I think Jess said it all really. There's not much more for me to add but one point in there where you said you know it's never ending it is never ending and I actually find this this sort of thing really really tedious because you know the rules always been the same it's always been the white line is the edge of the track right but because of what was happening with modern Formula One and the way the drivers were flinging uh, the cars at various parts of certain tracks the FIA were like right okay well actually here it's going to be on the curb or the track is if you're if you're fully on the curb or you're over the curb then you're outside the track limits and that just led to a lot of like, oh, well, that's that's outrageous. This is an abuse. And it was just a fuss over very little. So the FIA then went, okay, fine. It's the white line again. And they put in a set thing. And it, this is the first track where, yeah, it, it, it's possible to to gain a bit of lap time by going at these certain points. I sympathise with what Verstappen says about when the tyres are going over, over uh, going off, sorry, over a stint. You know, it, it's harder. Perhaps, perhaps maybe like a greater tolerance, maybe a few more extra allowances in the race rather than qualifying where it's an instant deletion I don't know but it it did seem right that um you know Perez was thrown out of qualifying or sorry thrown out of Q3 and, and put down to 13th for the sprint race because he had clearly violated the rule there but yeah it's like it, it, it's just it's just a funny one I think I think we've you know make, make it the white line but just understand that because they're being tried finally trying to be consistent there are going to have you are going to have events like this when there's going to be 43 instances and actually that's probably okay I, th- I think the, the, the right okay. thing happened here. Yeah, I think, yeah, in terms of, in terms of them, them, you know, stepping in and pointing things out, I think, I think that's fine. You know, the, the drivers that were abusing it were punished and the drivers that altered their driving, it was interesting listening to Leclerc's radio, he's being warned about it. Not like you're going over it, but it's just like reminder, reminder. He, he didn't get another warning after he got his, uh, his first two. So, you know, I, I think that it's just something you've got to accept that the FI is trying something and it's working. I don't know how And they you- do seem to be they do seem to be proper sticklers for the rules this year. Like they aren't they aren't letting anything slide. It's the same with Jewelry Gate. It's the same with even the summons that we got post race about um the, the the podium finishers and them having their they were all they were all three of them were summoned to the stewards for not following Park for May rules because they had their physios there where the rule is their physios aren't meant to come into contact with, with them until after the podium. Or is, it, or is it until they've been weighed? Which one? Uh, I, don't, I didn't. I well, don't no, know. It's, it's meant, it, they're not meant to come to them until after the podium. That's that. That is. Yeah, the rule. They're not meant to interfere right. with them at all. Oh wow! It's at the discretion of the media delegate, I think. But you're right. The weighing thing is the is the vital thing. Yeah, that's the most important part. But wow, but the you know they're being they are saying they've 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 come out. This we've got we've got a new regime, new president, new race directors, and what they are saying is the rules are the rules, and then be the rules, and you've had far too much leniency <laughs> up until this point. 
So they uh, are, I, they're governing right. to the nth degree. Now, whether or not that's right, I think, you know, some of it has been a bit silly. It wastes a lot of our time because we have to flip and wait to hear what the end result is, um, which is maybe a bit more of a like, you know, well, poor us. It's kind of our jobs. Well, no, it's also we, the fans as we well. I did make that point. It. I made that point to Hayden on Friday, like the, the Perez thing where they were like, oh, hours after everyone's turned off the coverage and then like, oh, we found that you shouldn't have been in Q3. So we'll take you out of uh, Q3. And we think you should probably start about 13th. Yeah, like that's not right for the fans, though. I feel like, well, that's kind of a. I wonder why it takes them so long to decide that because surely that's that's cut and dry, right? Like if they if they're going to be this strict with the rules, then if they if Perez did, you know, uh, impede track limits, then that's cut and dry. Let's do it. It's the whole like come and explain to us why you did it and give us your reasoning and and we will consider it. That's a load of BS, in my opinion. Like, you are the referees. Just make the call. People aren't going to like it. I'm sure people are going to have a lot to say about it. But if you're going to govern this hard, then why not go the whole hog, you know? So I think that would help, yeah. But in a way, in a way, I kind of respect it. Um, but it's also kind of it is a bit tedious at times like certain things are getting a little bit grating and you can see that um, but there's also been instances of inconsistency with penalties with blue flag infringements so it's, it's weird in terms of um, it'd be interesting to see like kind of where um, or like what stewards have been in place and what race director has been in place where there's been consistency and where there's not yeah. um, because I think that is something that the fans will if they're going to be this granular about it um why are there still inconsistencies? We'll move down the, the finishing order in just a second, but Alex, final point on this? Yeah, like Jess said, um, I, I respect the fact they're doing it and I'm actually quite glad that they're doing it. I think that in terms of like, be strict on the rules in terms of minor safety points, right? And and things like that. I think it just adds up and it, it gives me hope that you'd avoid another Abu Dhabi fiasco again if, they, if they're going to be on this. I'm not saying it, it will, but it gives me hope. And I think that's good. But what, what I would say is that there's one area where, you know, I'm, I'm being like, yeah, I'm glad the stewards are, are coming down and being all 50 shades of grey on certain areas. Right. <laughs> but actually the, the, the racing rules thing, I was, I was, uh, I sort of surprised myself in Silverstone. I was glad that they took a sort of light touch approach. There was one really weird bit where Perez is fully off the track at club and comes on and forces Leclerc off. That definitely should have been investigated and probably penalised. The rest of it, they they abided by the rules and the stewards let them do it and I think that was that was fair enough so yeah it's weird I I like the sort of strict on the on the seemingly small things but the light touch where appropriate I also approve of that which I appreciate is a contradiction well uh, having a look at how things are standing at the minute in the different championships in the drivers championship of course Max Verstappen still leads the way because he minimised the damage won 208 points Charles Leclerc 170 still a long way behind Sergio Perez non-finisher today 151 Carlos Sainz 133 and then the two Mercedes drivers George Russell and Lewis Hamilton in 5th and 6th and in the uh, Constructors Championship Red Bull lead the way with 359 followed by Ferrari 303 and and Mercedes 237. Obviously, a bit of a, a gap uh, to Ferrari, but not the gap that after the first couple of races you would have thought it would be. And again, massive points today. I say massive, but c- compared to where you think they could be uh, with the result today, with Hamilton coming home in third, podium place. And again, yes, science retired, but that's Ferrari's self-inflicted problem. And, and George Russell fighting his way back as well. So George Russell, Sergio Perez, turn four incident. Um, and again, you know, I've seen first lap incidents waved away by the stewards. And this one, five-second penalty for George Russell, uh, which put him 
so far back because he did uh, he took it really uh, he took it really quickly. Perez tried around the outside. Uh, it was a it was a it penalty. Was ahead. But, but I've seen them. I've seen them not given. Well, it's, it's that it's that corner, Martin. I think the first lap thing really only applies to the first corner, especially uh, first here corner. So by the by, by lap ten, uh, sorry, by uh, by was it turn turn four, wasn't it? Turn four, yeah. Yeah, but the the problem with this one is that there's even suggestions. I think it was at Red Bull. The suggestion that they told their drivers, including Perez, not to go around the outside, but he got such a run on Russell, he, he didn't have a choice. But it's it's the specific corner here, and again, if you if you go by. The wording of the of the of the you know I think the driver right the racing guidelines the drivers were given ahead of this year right look um, Perez is ahead even on the outside line at the apex he he earned the he had the right to take whatever line was his because he was ahead it's up to Russell there to not make contact with him and also there's a precedent uh, which is the 2020. Uh, Red Bull Ring race uh, where um, I can't go of course there were two there that year but it's, it's, it's when Hamilton taps Albon around it at that exact same corner much much later on in the race um, but yeah so there's a precedent um, Perez was ahead at the apex and also I think there was a Haas I think Magnussen attacked I can't remember which car uh, later on because I have sympathy for George because it's a really harsh penalty but and he was right along uh, the apex line Perez you could say he squeezed him but it's just the way that corner falls away but Magnussen was able to get up onto the curbs and also you could lift off or hit the brakes. Now that may send you wide anyway, but it's because of the way Perez's wheels were ahead, that is always going to be a penalty, unfortunately for George. Um, and it did have a big, uh, big impact on his race because he needed to get that front wing changed. Uh, of course it was, yeah, it's a front wing change uh, as well. But he did fight his way back. Uh, he, he complained on the radio of having no pace, but well, he, he, yes, it was a long way back. But yes, he finished in fourth behind Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton drove really well today. We saw him do a great pass around the uh, inside of turn eight. And again, he's got no real business of passing a car there. Um, he drove well. George Russell drove really well. Um, yeah, they were 40, 50 seconds back from the leaders. Only five drivers on the, the, the first lap, the, the fifth being uh, Esteban Ocon. Uh, but Jess, were you impressed by Mercedes' damage limitation? Or again, have they got any real business in being third and fourth? More classic track, smooth surface... They, I think we were a bit surprised at the beginning of the weekend, just how quick they were. Um, they're still by no means the fastest. They've still got a, a, like a few issues, but not actually that many. It's more about power rather than um, the kind of more aerodynamic issues that we, they were seeing at places like Baku, Monaco, and places where we've got rough, rough surfaces. You know, they're, they're looking forward to going to a circuit like Paul Ricard, because again, surface is smooth. It's a more traditional looking track. Um, they think that they could maybe be up there again. So I think we're just coming to tracks that are more suitable to the Mercedes concept. Um, and so it was definitely still... You know, reasonably impressive. They had a terrible Friday. They tried to make up for it um, on Saturday in the sprint. You know, watching Hamilton get stuck behind the horses, I'm sure, was extremely frustrating for Mercedes and Hamilton fans. Um, he seemed to, you know, we had smatterings of that at the beginning of the race today, but he soon made like work of them. Um, and well, actually, maybe that's that's not fair. I wouldn't actually say it was probably light, but he, he eventually got past them. Um, and yeah, I think you know. To come away with another podium and to have George in P4, that's a really strong result for the team. So they can definitely be be happy with what uh, what they ca- they've come away with today. And again, I think until we get to tracks um, that are more street like, um, more twisty turny, I think we we 
can probably get used to seeing them at least in the mix a little bit. Probably not fighting for wins yet. I don't see that happening anytime soon unless um, Ferrari and Red Bull have uh, an absolute nightmare. But it's good to see them. It's good to see them fighting. It's good to see them up there. Although Lewis did say that he had such a quiet race towards the end that he was just watching the race on the big screens um, <laughs> as he was going around, just tootling around, you know. Love it. At almost 200 miles an hour um, or above. Yeah, just kind of like watching, just watching what was going on. So, um, yeah, I think, um, I, I, you know, especially, you know, George had damage. Um, so it was still good to see them come away with a good haul of points. As soon as Hamilton overtook a fourth place Ocon around lap 30, he never really looked back after that. So, yeah, yeah quiet second half of the race and some ama- amazing points for Mercedes and just another reason for the team to be buoyed and to carry on, keep on uh, developing that car. And George Russell should be really happy considering the damage and, and how far back. I forget where he rejoined early on. but It was it, 17th. It, it wasn't quite at the back because Perez was running last, but, um, it, you know, a long way, long way back. And a great race for Alpine through much of it because Alonso was going long. He ran, you know, very high and we saw some great racing with Alonso as well. Perhaps a quieter race for Ocon, not that I followed it completely with any onboards, but it looked like a, um, a, a quieter race for him, but a, just a brilliant result for Alpine as well and showing some real pace to come home fifth and Alonso getting a point coming home in 10th. But we have to talk about the Haas drivers. Great top line speed, but but genuinely some really good racing. Mick Schumacher, sixth today. Uh, Lando Norris, seventh. Kevin Magnussen in eighth. We saw uh, Schumacher overtaking Lando early on. I think that was for an eighth place. That was a great overtake and uh, and just some fantastic racing uh, today. You know, Alex, you've been following the ups and downs of, of, of Haas all year and they've hit... Is this genuine pace? Because they've hit some real form. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because they have no updates here. So it's not like they've improved the car. Um, I think it's a testament to the Ferrari power. I think that's a big factor in why Ferrari was so good today. Obviously, the Haas runs the Ferrari engine. And we just, we just know that this track rewards that, that power punch, but also just having good traction. That's really what was key to why McLaren did so well here uh, in 2021. And, and the Haas just, just seemed to do that. And I think, you know, it, it meant that it, it, its drivers could have confidence in the package. I think there's definitely a lot to be said for Mick Schumacher having that that points burden taken off him. He seems very, very confident, so confident. The fact that he was bemoaning the fact that Haas didn't let him buy Magnussen uh, in the sprint race, even though Haas was sort of saying, well, it was only the DRS that was really keeping him there. Brilliant for Haas. I think it's their, their, their best result since 2018. I think I've seen that floating around maybe in the team's press release. What's interesting that Kevin Magnussen comes home eighth had an engine issue the whole the whole race that he was worried yeah yeah he, that, he said that he was worried it was going to sort of let go at, at any points so that perhaps explains why he he didn't do quite so well today but yeah very good job to the Haas uh, team and if I may just uh, correct a point I made earlier I think Russell actually rejoined yeah nineteenth only ahead of uh, Perez when when he came off back so off like yeah top. basically right at the back so to come home fourth brilliant result for and it was actually that it was that lap it was lap twenty one. 23, 25-ish, when Ocon overtook Sonoda for, I think it was sixth, a great battle at the time with Alonso and Joe. Magnussen cruised up on the back of them, three wide into turn one, and then it was about four wide or five cars getting involved 
uh, with Magnus and Norris Alonso, Schumacher and Joe, who then uh, dived into the pits after that. But it was, it was like this was like F2 racing, uh, Megan. Were you really kind of impressed with how Formula One delivered today? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great race. I mean, much more action than we've we'd seen in in some other recent rounds, and probably much more action than we might see at the next round. So um, yeah, it was it was great to see. It was it was um, it was certainly exciting. Yeah, I don't think I've really got anything else to add that anyone else hasn't said, to be honest. Brilliant. All right. I don't want to leave you out of the conversation, but I'm trying to. I've, I've done a terrible job at hosting. We're an hour in and we haven't got through half the stuff I was going to talk about, but we had some important stuff to talk about at the beginning. That was uh, that was very important. Uh, Lando Norris coming home seventh for the first McLaren, a five-second time penalty for him for track limits. Uh, he pitted for the final time on lap 44 when he took his time penalty, I should say. He came out in 13th then and battled his way back up to 7th, although some ahead like Alonso, like who was running long and stuff. Uh, but Lonzo uh, Norris genuinely did have some some fantastic overtakes today. Uh, there was one great overtake on, on Sonoda, for, I think for 12th, uh, I remember. But yeah, Norris did uh, really well. Daniel Ricciardo, second McLaren home in 9th. So again, McLaren coming home with some decent points uh, today and Fernando Alonso in 10th final points scorer. But everyone from Mick Schumacher down, that's 6th down. That's, that's, it just sounds good saying Mick Schumacher in 6th. I love that. I'm so happy for him. Uh, he is living in his new villain era and I am here for mean? it. This is the first time I've actually heard him say something punchy. He was really angry yesterday about the team not letting him through. Yes, He, he felt he, like he was very much like sacrificed basically and I think that you know there are theories going around that has to that on purpose so that it would kick him up the arse and he would be he would be really hungry for it I don't well whether or not that was on purpose or not we have a new Schumacher now like he is he is different he is racing different he's getting his elbows out he was he was really impressive he got driver of the day today and I think that's you know I'm not going to go as far as to say villain but there is something there is something different with Schumacher this weekend Um, I think a little bit buoyed him last weekend but you know that there, there, there is we're living in a different Schumacher era and as I said I am here for it I am I'm embracing it I think it's great good and uh, this is what we want to see we want to see him developing into his own driver he always he always was his own driver he ne- didn't necessarily always you know hit the ground running took a little while to win in F2 I think it took two seasons first season was kind of establishing season second season uh, he went and, and won that with Prima but uh, we don't want him to be you know the son of and he always will be to an extent but you know we don't call it you know, well we, we, we were uh, asked uh, a little while ago you know do you still need to call him Carlos Sainz Jr I mean, oh, that's a good point he's his own his own driver and I would say the same for Schumacher as well we want him to be in Formula One thought of as his own driver and it's just so good to see him maturing and and who knows what success uh, he can have and he can uh, move on to Uh, what do you want to talk about final point scorers Bottas coming home 11th Alex Albon in 12th for for Williams uh, the only Williams finisher Lance Stroll in 13th for Aston Martin Joe in the Alfa Romeo 14th which is good to see him racing this weekend and you know and competitive at times Pierre Gasly uh, in 15th for the first of the two Alfa Tauris followed home by Yuki Tsunoda and Sebastian Vettel, uh, who came last, uh, who was put off the track uh, today, had a spin, came on, but uh, but also headlines around Vettel 
storming out of driver's briefings. When they were in the driver's briefing, they were having a discussion and uh, a lot of the drivers were arguing about something and 20 minutes went by and they hadn't even started the meeting. Is that why? So Vettel... Vettel then said, "You know what is the point? We're not getting onto the we're not getting onto the crux of what this driver briefing is meant to be about. You're all arguing and bickering. We're going around <laughs> in circles. I'm out. I didn't know Which, that. Which again, I mean, again, if the, the rules be sit down, do the driver's briefing. Excellent. I don't know who was chairing the meeting, but they clearly weren't doing a very good job because they were allowing the drivers to go round and round and round about this one thing that they couldn't decide on or couldn't agree on. But anyway, that apparently was the story behind why Vettel stormed out. Thank you. Right, two more races till the summer break. A little gap see now uh, for a week off until the French Grand Prix. That'll be a different race to what we saw uh, today. And then the Hungarian Grand Prix, end of July, a week later. Then we're on our summer break. Um, where I know all of us will be sitting on a beach, I'm sure. Let's uh, just finish off the podcast. What, uh, together? That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't. What? Oh, why not? Okay, well, right, well, uh, okay. well maybe, maybe. Let's uh, quick finish off uh, talking about uh, what, what's ahead. Um, Megan, thank you for joining us today. We can read all about your F2 coverage on autosport.com as always. Looking forward to more of that. There is much more exciting Formula 2 to come. Uh, Logan Sargent being handed the victory from today's feature race uh, after all of the Vashore fuel chaos and then Daruvula getting handed a 20-second penalty for Prema Uh, drying his grid slot when it was wet this morning. Um, Both of those demotions gave Logan Sargent the win, which means he's now one point ahead of Teo Porcher, which puts him second in the standings. Um, So Felipe Drogovic's massive lead has actually been cut to, you know, less than 40 points now, going into into what will be the eighth round of 14. so that should be super exciting. So there's F2 in France um, and then F2 and F3 are back in Hungary. Um, the F3 standings are looking very close as well. Um, Isaac Hedger had another really good weekend um, and is now one point behind Victor Martins, uh, who leads the standings, with Arthur Leclerc. Um, funny you were talking about surnames <laughs> and people being known exactly. for them. Uh, in, in third place on 91 points, uh, with his teammate Jack Crawford in fourth on 70. Um, and Ollie Behrman as well, who's the third Prima driver, uh, is, is sixth. So um, that should be really exciting. Lots, lots of uh, storylines going on in, in F2 and F3 at the moment. Um, head over to autosport.com for all your uh, F2 and F3 needs. Jess, when will we see you back in the paddock? Any plans next few yeah, races? Gosh. That is a that's is, a question. Is that a for big question? Oh, yeah, hopefully, okay. hopefully hungry. We'll see. We'll see. Um, okay, but yeah, should be hungry before the summer break, and then I'm out of here. <laughs> and you're out of here, not forever. <laughs> no, 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 not forever. But just <laughs> just taking taking some uh, well earned time off, as I'm sure everybody else on this podcast also wants to as well. And with Silverstone, as because you were there, you were you were you joined us for Silverstone. Was it as 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 good as it as you were hoping it would be? Once I got there, yeah, it was great. Yes. Um, but, you know, getting literally a not even 24 hour notice Five that I had warning. eventually been accredited. Five it minute was, warning. Uh, You're in. Yeah, it was, it was a mad kick bollock scramble. I don't know if I'm allowed to say bollock on the Autosport podcast, but I've said it twice now. So it's there we go. Fine. Yeah. Um, Just yeah, double down. Yeah, yeah. It was good though. Obviously, home Grand Prix is always a, you, don't, you never want to miss your home Grand Prix. But I think to Alex's point about working really late, I do feel 
and me missing the podcast last 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 time out there's something about being at the home grand prix that everything feels longer harder really um yeah there's something about it i don't know what it is but i think a lot of people were feeling quite quite drained after after silverstone considering uh we technically weren't really traveling too far um or at least not getting on a plane but yeah um always good so hungary hopefully next and alex you'll be traveling to the french gp I will be. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it, actually. I mean, obviously, you know, there's been lots of logistical problems there in the past, but Luke and I are staying, uh, as far as I know, about 10 minutes from the track. So hopefully that should be nice and smooth. Famous last words, uh, bearing in mind my (laughs) regular travel fiascos. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm actually quite looking forward to that race because um, I know it's been massively disparaged quite rightly for the races in 2018, 2019 uh, being really dull. But last year was very, very exciting. That was because the Red Bull and the Mercedes cars were so evenly matched. They diverged on strategy, made it very interesting. This year, from what we've seen at Silverstone, which was the, a big test for the new rules, whether they improve the racing, whether the car is going to be able to to follow, it it passed with with flying colours that the sort of the new rules set again at Austria. Great great racing throughout the weekend, and I therefore I see no evidence why going to Paul Ricard it should automatically become a dull affair again. I think the, it, it'd be a massive test, and you know I. You could you could make the argument that yeah maybe it might not be as exciting as Silverstone but I'm optimistic for a change on that front. Uh, but what I will say is that um, if you thought the track limits uh, stuff this weekend was going to get was tedious, you're going to be back in it for the card because <laughs> there's various corners there where you can find lots and lots of lap times if you run wide on the exit. So that's going to be that's going to drag on. I guarantee it. But yeah, really looking forward to um, to to get into the French Grand Prix. Really, really looking forward to having my full voice back and also being able to taste stuff because uh, I can't. Uh, taste or smell anything at the moment so thank you that'll be nice to have back thank you for coming on the podcast Alex mid-Covid we appreciate it I'm actually going to get on a plane tomorrow to Virginia International Raceway because I am doing a three-day race school to learn how to drive a Formula 4 car so I did not know this yeah yeah I am I'm not really sure how I've managed to pull this off. I'm not sure how I'm going to get on, but look out for um, content of that. It's either going to be comedy or insightful in terms of what goes into a three-day race school. Um, But it'll be out on uh, mainly motorsport.com's channel. But um, Kev has asked me to write a feature for the mag about it as well. So it'll be in an autosport magazine at some point if I survive and do well, because if I don't, I will cry. Do you like Um, driving quickly? We were t- I've never asked you. I, like, I, you a- I too have recently received a speeding fine. Oh, so you so- do? Good, okay, good. <laughs> Probably not things we should admit as uh, employees of Autosport, but... Um, well, if you yes, pay I- them, it's fine. I well, got yeah, done exactly. in Qatar all- as well. Oh, did you? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was well, I got done in the airport. Took I got it done in this credit country. Card. Couldn't, couldn't even dispute it. Anyway, sorry. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I got, I got done in this country, so I'm doing the whole speed awareness course. Um, oh. But hence why I'm also doing a race awareness course next uh, this week. So let's see if I can funnel that energy into uh, trying to race a car rather than... Uh, well, Kenny, yeah. if you were doing a course, then you couldn't have been going too much over the limit because if it, no, if you, no 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 it was too, a smidge yeah if it's it was one of those smidge. damn average it was one of those damn average uh, speed check so it things was it smidge. wasn't yeah it wasn't me doing like 17 or 30 or something that's definitely not my not my bag we, uh, we drive 
sensibly apart from on racetracks of course where we well, drive look, with skill obviously I'm digging myself a be. hole here I feel I'm no. now I'm now um, regressing bringing this up but <laughs> thought as a plug for the content well we'll we look <laughs> forward to following it. that on your socials on motorsport.com uh, on our sister channels and of course here uh, in the mag and on autosport.com thank you for listening thank you for putting up with us on a mega 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 edition of the podcast but it was a cracking race today and and some unfortunate stuff that we had to get to first you can email the, the, the Autosport podcast. It is podcast at autosport.com with your thoughts on today's action, anything else that comes across your mind. I've uh, been loving getting your emails lately. Uh, thank you for sending them in. Make sure you check out the magazine when it's out on Thursday for some glorious pictures. And I've seen some of the early shots of uh, the aftermath of that science fire. Now we know he's fine, uh, and they are worth picking up the magazine uh, just for them. It's uh, some spectacular Ferrari failures, but will that be the case in two weeks' time at Le Castellet? We will find out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon on the Autosport Podcast. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. If you're looking to move out of your parents' place, you could really cut expenses by bundling your car and renter's insurance with Progressive, which is good because your little brother has gotten really territorial. You're blood-related. You'd think it would be fine to share food in the fridge. I mean, who writes their name on every individually wrapped slice of cheese, Tyler? Still, you've got to admire the commitment. So bundle your renter's and car insurance with Progressive and use the savings to help you move out and have all the cheese you want. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.